Did you know the Tribeca Festival showcases more than just film and TV? Tribeca's audio storytelling program, sponsored by Audible, is happening June 9th to June 13th in NYC. It includes premieres of new indie podcasts, plus exclusive live tapings of popular podcasts like Slow Burn, Criminal with special guest Melissa McCarthy, and Vibe Check with special guest Lena Waithe. Don't miss it. Get your tickets now at TribecaFilm.com. Tribeca Festival is back with a lineup full of relatable and inspiring films, series, and more. Documentaries on stars like Elizabeth Taylor, Melissa Etheridge, Linda Perry, and Renee Elise Goldsberry, plus narratives and comedy specials starring Britt Lauer, Emily Bader, Hannah Einbinder, and more. June 5th to June 16th in NYC. Grab your tickets now at TribecaFilm.com. Welcome to In Her Shoes. I'm Lindsay Peoples, and I'm Editor-in-Chief of The Cut. On this show, I get to talk to people that we love and admire, or some that we just find interesting. We'll explore how they found their path and what maybe have gotten in their way, and how they brought others along now that they've arrived. Tori Birch is one of the designers who defined the 2000s. From the timeless ballet flat to the signature Tory Burch emblem, her brand put a mark on an era and continues to remain a household name. She does all of this while empowering women along the way. So we talked to her about her upcoming collection, the plight of ambitious women, and the evolution of the Tory Burch brand. Thank you again for doing this, Tori. I really appreciate it. I'm so happy to do it, Lindsay. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited for your show. Excited for things always. I was looking at the website this morning. There's many things. Oh. You, know, I, you know, I personally wear a lot of jewelry, I'm right? so happy to hear that. And I did know that. <laughs> I did. Thank you. Thank you for that. I ask everyone on the show, since the show is called In Her Shoes, either what kind of shoes you're wearing right now or your favorite pair of shoes. I had to look down. I'm wearing <laughs> actually our expedition boot, it's called. And, and a burgundy patent, and I, they're super comfortable. I, I love them. Do you feel like you still wear really uncomfortable shoes? Do you have a motto of just only comfortable shoes now? I kind of definitely prefer comfortable shoes. I always <laughs> have. That said, not all shoes are comfortable, but I try to forego the ones that are not. Yeah, I agree. How about you? <laughs> no, I agree. I actually was looking at some somewhat like ballet flats the other day which was making me laugh because I feel like I used to wear those a lot and then those really went out of style and you know but everything I'm I'm sure is just cyclical and you see that firsthand I do see firsthand and and I know they went out of style but I love ballet flats I I feel like they're a classic and they're just so incredibly comfortable yeah I agree what is it like to just see how this generation is loving old trends that you're like, we were doing that a long time ago. Like, what is what is that experience like? Well, I mean, I think trends come and go and they come back again. And I think it's really exciting to see that. It's also nice to see it through a new perspective and a fresh perspective. And just right. I do feel like that gives like looking at social media. We really see that. It's it's really amazing to see. Mm -hmm. Is there a specific time period that you really like to pull inspiration from like from the 90s I know I can tell some some stuff for sure from spring summer collection but is there anything specifically that you're like this always 
just gives me a good um, sense of inspiration of where I want to go. Yeah, I mean, I liked the 90s because it was sort of almost like a palate cleanser. And it was like just, a, you know, the concept of just a bit more minimal, but also the ability to make it what you want with layering and weightless and um, a more streamlined shape. I But I, I also love the idea of designing where you don't really put it to a decade. And that's yeah. kind of where it really works and it's timeless. And it will remain in your wardrobe. That's something I think a lot about is sort of how women are feeling. Number one, the emotion that what mm -hmm. they're wearing makes them feel, but also things that they can build a wardrobe with that will last. Yeah. I'm curious, since you've been doing this so long, I mean, how how's the evolution 17 been? years. I know. But also, I mean, I say that in, in the way of saying also that you've just been at the top of your game for so long, which is not the same as just being part of the industry. Um, I mean, you've really, you've been at the top and you've really actually pushed things forward, um, which is part of well, what I admire so much about you. Thank you. You know, I, you know, I was thinking about that concept and I've thought a lot about it because I think I've evolved personally over the last 17 years. And mm -hmm. when I first started, I was sort of the founder and, you know, I started this idea and it became this, I had no design experience, had, didn't have a business background. I had my last job was working with LVMH uh, when Narcisse Rodriguez was designing Loewe. Yeah. And so then I became a stay-at-home mom. And then when I started this company, all of a sudden I was, you know, labeled a founder. And then I became the CEO. And um, fast forward 14 years, I was juggling everything of right. being, being the actual CEO and having the creative vision. I, I think what's happened um, from a reinvention standpoint and evolution is that I was able to marry my husband <laughs> to get him to be CEO <laughs> of our company. Um, and really that allowed me to have a bit of a creative reinvention because mm -hmm. now I, I am no longer CEO. People ask me if that was a hard decision. It was absolutely not. It was a right. very easy decision. I'm so proud of what we built, but it's given me the time and the opportunity to sort of streamline and really think what is a more personal version of me and mm -hmm. that's kind of what has been happening the last three or four years did you ever feel like pressure to be on top of certain trends or to create something for clientele over the years yeah i mean you know it's funny with the concept of trend i've always really focused on being relevant for how women were feeling today and mm -hmm. things that i personally was missing i have an incredibly diverse team and so I always have like the teams weighing in about different things they're thinking about or missing. And, mm -hmm. and I'm an information gatherer. So I hear everyone and I listen and then I sort of think about, okay, what do we want to put out in the world and what would potentially a customer be interested in? And so that's kind of the process of, of how we've looked at being relevant. And I think that it's interesting how trends start. It's sort of what's happening in the macro environment. And, and I think that if you're constantly interested in how women are feeling today, that kind of happens. I do want to take it back to the beginning of your career because you mentioned that a little bit. Um, and I know that you worked in fashion, but you weren't specifically designing. So how no, did you make never. that? that launch from working in PR to advertising to I actually would, designing. You know, I was a copywriter at one point. I didn't know that. Yes. No, I didn't know that. At Ralph Lauren, I was, I was a very fancy copywriter. Just kidding. <laughs> it was very unglamorous. And so 
Um, you know, I, I knew that I wanted to start a foundation. That was something that when I left my job in fashion and PR, I knew I wanted to help women and children. And I've always been intrigued by what can be done in marrying the idea of business and purpose. Right. And so in 2004, when I started the company, the business plan was to start a global brand so that we could start a foundation. And mm -hmm. back then, I was basically laughed out of the room by potential investors, by people, by people telling me that I shouldn't look at business and, and anything um, social uh, or purpose-related in the same sentence. Mm -hmm. And so I, I kind of went back to sort of my gut. And it was through the process of starting the company um, that I learned how to design. It, the first collection was like, how do I think about what I was missing? And um, it was a perfect cigarette pant. It was that perfect trench coat. And I, yeah. I, over the years, realized I'd learned how to design just based on taking vintage, which I love, or clothing from my mom and re mm -hmm. reimagining it and yeah. working with a tailor who is this little <laughs> like older woman that I used to work with in Philadelphia and we used to remake everything. And I always had this weird love of vintage too. So it yeah. was kind of like looking at different proportions, trying silhouettes. So then I infused that with the concept of starting this like company to have just the ideal pieces that could help women solve problems. Mm -hmm. No, I love that. And I do feel like that that is so um, such a signature part of your brand when you when you go into the store and you try things on you're like oh right like this is how it's supposed to fit this is actually how i want to i feel think a lot clothing. about fit and yeah. on all kinds of women i mean i certainly interesting have a lot of women that are bigger sizes but also tall women versus even shorter women when people used to say what inspires you is always women from different countries also like i was very proud to be an american brand that said it was women from China, Africa, India, Afghanistan, wherever it may be, I find the differences in women the most beautiful thing in the world. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the monumental Oprah moment in 2005 <laughs> um, when she said that Tory Burch was the next big thing in fashion. The next day had over 8 million hits on the website. Take me to that moment back in time. What was going through your head and, and how did you handle all of that? Well, let me start by saying I thought it was a joke that my brothers were playing on me. So <laughs> I didn't really think it was real. Uh, um, <laughs> one of the people that's worked with Oprah for a long time is this editor, at Adam Glassman. And he had given her some, I remember some him, of yeah, our yeah. pieces for Christmas. And so that's how she got to know our our company and our brand. And so when they told me that, I was like, sure, I'll come, thinking it was like one of my brothers playing a joke. And so it turned out it wasn't. I went to <laughs> Chicago. Um, I'll never forget it because it was during spring break and it was I had I, I had to meet my kids. I changed everything. We went to Chicago, I organized on Real Women actually, which was interesting, mm -hmm. a, a mini fashion show. And when I was first going on TV, I had never been interviewed by anyone. I had never been on TV, much less. Wow. And Oprah looked at me. She's like, don't worry, it's 30 million people watching. <laughs> but I was just like, casual. oh, my God, it was so casual. But I just had to laugh because what was I going to do? I mean, I was very ill prepared, but it was a very wonderful, like hard to describe how much she propelled our business in the very beginning. Right. 
Sure. So after that, how did you feel? Like, did you feel a lot of pressure to live up to that moment? Or did you feel like, okay, finally, like I'm getting some recognition? Not finally at all. It was very early. And I was just grateful and like in all of the fact that like I would even be considered for that um, right. recognition. And I think what was interesting is I launched with an e-commerce platform. And so everyone at the time told me no one would buy online. So that was also something I got a lot of grief for. And mm -hmm. so I was so lucky to have had that. It literally launched maybe four months before the show. And so what she told me is that I had to figure out how to back it up. And I think mm. that that was amazing because having that many hits and uh, on the website, it helped us. It, it really helped us propel our business to the future growth that it would have. I love that you also always talk about you know, the struggles of being an ambitious woman and trying to balance workload, you know, obviously being creative, but also a woman in business. What has that challenge been like for you and for people to obviously perceive you as this person, but actually you are the one who's having to to work hard and sustain this, you know, multi-million dollar brand? First of all, I'm so grateful for the journey. Let's start there. That said, it's been incredibly tough at times, incredibly, incredibly hard. And I remember giving a Babson graduation speech, and the whole point was there's no such thing as an overnight success. And in my opinion, there really is no such thing as an overnight success. And I saw a lot of the challenges that women face. I saw a, a lot of the inequities. And I, I knew that I wanted to start a foundation, but when I started thinking about what our purpose would be. It was really what I thought I could best help with because of the things that I had experienced. And, mm -hmm. and that was, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to know a lot of people to raise capital, but I can tell you, I went out to 150 people and we raised $8 million with 150 people. So that should oh give God. you an idea of how we funded the company. And so I was lucky to know and have a network of people I could go out to. But I said to people, invest if you want to lose it, number one, because I was terrified of taking people's money. But I knew that women had challenges getting access to capital and certainly mm -hmm. low interest capital. So that was one thing I also saw because I grew up with three brothers and um, just even friends that men were very good at networking and had networks. And I mm -hmm. felt that I didn't have a lot of role models. I didn't have a lot of networks to, to access. So that became part of the early foundation in 2009 when we launched. We had mm -hmm. mentor events. I would invite 100 women entrepreneurs across all sectors and ask 10 people to sort of do an evening of speed dating. And it was how do we create these networks and also get people to have peer-to-peer -peer mentorship but get invaluable advice on things right. that they needed. Something we also talk about a lot at The Cut, we have a, a series called How I Get It Done. Um, and something that I that I always realize in, in reading those and reviewing them over the past couple of years is that it feels like we're always striving to have some sense of balance, um, which which I don't know if any of us will ever find. But I'm curious of how have you been able to find balance or what you know, what your perspective on that has shifted over the years? Yeah, I mean, I think that the concept of balance and the idea of having it all is is a difficult concept. I think that you go through periods in your life where you do things better than others. And I remember when I was offered the job, I thought of a lifetime. And then I found that I was pregnant with my third son. I had three babies under the age of four, three boys. So I had to give up a career 
um, because I didn't think it was possible to do both jobs, being a mom and then a, a president well. And so mm -hmm. I think it's a lot about um, who you are, how you feel, give and take, and and finding what works for you. And I, I think that as long as you're living and, and trying to find your passion, and sometimes you can't do it all and have everything happen all at once. I think right. sometimes it's about choices. Yeah. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, we also have to talk about the Tory Burch Foundation, um, because I know so much of what you do is that you're also passionate about supporting women and women in business. So tell me about why that's been important for you to, to start that foundation personally. Well, let's start with the fact that I think women are an amazing investment. And I think that the idea that we're having um, discussions today talking about inequality around women is appalling. It's disheartening, but I don't want to be disheartened because I want to be action oriented right. yeah, and I yeah. want to I want to create the positive change with amazing women like you because we can and we have to and we have to change the dynamic for young women and girls for the future but I also think it's very important to say that we need men to be part of this conversation and mm -hmm. help change the dynamic for women because if we're sitting in a room talking to ourselves till the end of time we're not going to create the positive change we need and I so agree. we need to make this everyone's issue, not just a women's issue. Yeah. What are some of the favorite things that you've been able to accomplish or just things that you've been really proud of via the Tory Burch Foundation? Yeah, well, I'm very proud of our Bank of America partnership. And it took a while to figure it out, but we have given out with them 
almost $100 million in low interest loans to women entrepreneurs. I think yeah. I'm super proud of our fellowship program where we have, um, so far we've had about 250 women be part of the fellowship program. And what we are trying to do is to create this community, as I mentioned before, also help women get their businesses to reach the million dollar mark. And when we see that, we see a more sustainable business. Mm -hmm. 30% 30, 30 of our fellows reach that mark. And that's much higher than the average if it's just right. private equity or, or anything or just, you know, investments. I'm super proud of that. I'm proud of our partnership with the Fearless Fund and the crew. And we've given so far $2 million for Black-owned businesses and people of color. So I think that for people that are disadvantaged in any way, we want to try to step in and try to be a support system. We want to try to be a help and, mm -hmm. and help move the dynamic because I think the world will be a better place, clearly, but communities will be a better place if we can also help the child care problem be addressed where it shouldn't be just about women figuring that out. I think yeah. that's going to also help change the dynamics. And then, of course, embrace ambition. I think that if we can help women embrace their ambition, as I said, whatever that may be, um, and not be ashamed of it or not shy away from it like I did when I first started, a question was asked to me in an early interview. The journalist was asking, am I ambitious? It was a very rude question at the time. And why should that be a rude thing and right, not have yeah. women embrace their ambition? Men are so great at it. They, they truly are. <laughs> um, has there been a specific fellow or somebody that you've, you know, helped via the foundation over the years that comes to mind of somebody that you really love to help or um, there's you just so love to many. There's so many. There's Autumn Diego, who's in the fashion industry, and she's such a talented designer. There's Big Bixby Bars, which is a chocolate bar. There's a blanket Ooh. company called Baraby Blankets. That's a weighted blanket for anxiety. It's it's interesting to me because it's across all sectors. And yeah, um, really, the common thread is that it's women, and that's. Yeah. <laughs> and and they're outstanding women. Like they're just yeah. they're they are inspiring, and I'm floored by learning about them and their stories and yeah. the challenges that they've overcome. Yeah, I know. Also, your coat was on display at the Met, um, which is very cool. Um, how did it feel walking into obviously like such an iconic institution and seeing it for the first time? Oh, God, it was amazing. I remember going, I, my mom came with me and, and some <laughs> of our design team. It's, you know, for me, a big, big thing. I never imagined that that would happen. That's not, you know, so yeah, it's an honor. Yeah. Um, and now you're also on the board of the Smithsonian American History of Women Museum. Um, so what, it, what has that been like and what are you looking forward to doing in that role as well? Well, it's it's early days, and I am so excited. It's hard to believe there's not a women's museum, and it's thrilling that the Smithsonian is taking this and and have collected a group of amazing women and men to get this to happen. One of the things I'm really interested in is the way history has been documented or mm -hmm. or not documented, and I think the inaccuracies, the the bias, if you could say list five or 10 women that have changed the world, who are they? And the fact is we know 
that they exist and existed and that women have been right there in everything good throughout history that has happened. And there's women have had a role, if not been a lead role and been marginalized or not documented. Um, So how do we reset that and how do we um, highlight people from the past that haven't gotten the credit due to them, but also show young girls and young boys the possibilities? And I think that's something that I'm really interested in and um, part of what, what the Smithsonian will do, hopefully. Yeah, I'm very excited. Um, okay, so 50 years from now, what do you want people to say about the Tory Burch grant? That's a big um, question. Yeah, that is a big question. Well, that it's had a positive impact in people's lives. I don't want to just say women's lives because I think mm-hmm. women are an umbrella for everyone's lives. Mm-hmm. But in yeah. people's lives and have shown people a more optimistic, um, positive way to look at the future. Yeah. Outside of fashion, in in near future, are there any other things that I'm missing that you're excited about? Yeah, there's so many things. Um, I don't even know where to start. I love I love sports. I love tennis. I you know I think. Oh, I didn't know this about you. Yeah, I, and we just um, recently did a collaboration with Billie Jean King and the Billie Jean King Cup, and we're the yeah. sponsors. But we're also it's amazing. One thing I was super happy to do with Billie is to design a blazer for the champions, like oh, Augusta has yeah. for men. But now women have this great looking blue blazer in Billy blue. Um, I love so that. That's super exciting. I love that. Um, and of course, show is coming up. So by the time listeners hear this, um, it'll be past tense. Um, what can we expect about the show? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking a lot about the concept of femininity and and distortion and sort of, you know, looking at things that are one way but making it potentially something different when you look closer. And even taking some classic ideas and twisting them. And I, for me, it was about dispelling the idea that there should be rules for women and that women should be able to embrace their individuality. And not everything that's beautiful is perfect. And that's something that I was really fascinated and intrigued by for the show. I'm so excited to see it. Thank you so much oh, for taking the time. I know you're you. so swamped before show stuff, but thank I'm, you really so great much. To chat with you. I was so great talking to you too, and I'm I'm such a big fan of everything you're doing. I really thank appreciate you. it. So our producer Taka actually got a chance to go to the show and see the collection on the runway, and got some audio from behind the scenes. So check it out. Just got out the subway on my way to the show right now. As soon as I got backstage and got my credentials, I see the models rotate through hair and makeup. Can I put just a tiny bit of highlight on the cheekbones, like here? This is Claire. She's one of the makeup artists working under the direction of Diane Kendall. We're here at Tory Burch. The look today is focused mostly on the straight graphic liner. So just going super straight from all the girls' eyes out the edge with a nice like curled lash. Just a gorgeous, gorgeous Diane Kendall skin. So a little bit of contour, a little bit of highlight just to bring out their natural features and just like really hydrated lips. A simple, classic, but beautiful look. Let's go see Diane. They go and get a quick look over from Diane. 
Maybe I go over. We're doing yeah. slightly thicker, so it's like yeah. got a bit more like dense. So we can see it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Otherwise, it's beautiful. After her approval, off she goes. The sleekness and simplicity of a makeup carries right into the hair. I haven't seen center parts for too long. This is Sandy, one of the hairstylists for the show under the vision of Guido Palau. We just prepped with the Queen for a day. It's like one of our favorite products. Uh, for the front, just to give a little bit of control, a super clean center part with a tail comb, so it's like in there. And then we just grabbed in the back with a string elastic to keep it really secure and then flip it up. And some girls, obviously, you need to flip up and down if they've got a lot of length. So we're kind of losing the long hair, making it shorter. It's a very Tory woman pulled together, but really cool. Hi, I need everyone for rehearsal. Oh, are we ready? The runway is this beautiful Tiffany blue with images of Venus de Milo projected onto the columns. They're kind of distorted, they're moving around. They look really on theme for the show. I have on these white coverings so that you don't get the, the beautiful blue dirty on the runway. So girls, when you arrive on top of the steps, you walk in the dead center, so you immediately walk to the center. Looks like being on the ride, but as soon as you are on the top of the steps, you really slide to the side and walk to the center of the runway. Don't run into stairs. You have time, keep your pace. You don't need to run into stairs. After rehearsal, I got a chance to catch up with a few of the models, Jill and Arnell. We're both from Amsterdam, we're both half Surinamese. And we are at the same agency too. Shout out yeah. Liska. <laughs> yeah. We're basically twins, though. <laughs> and how do you get into character before a runway show? Just be a bad bitch. Exactly. Whenever I think of a runway show, I always envision the backstage being chaotic and stressful and clothes flying everywhere, but it was none of those things. Besides hair and makeup, there's so many different crews working in tandem. You have folks like Levi ushering the models along. I'm like checking on the models, making sure they know where to go, and where, making sure I know where they are. Okay. And then there's our folks in catering. So, the chickpea is not bad. It doesn't have as much flavor as I wanted to have, but they're good. It's a safe bit. But if you want it to, you know, to fill her, without, you know, it's chickpea. And then there's my new friend, Natalie, in sustainability. Yeah, thank you. So close. We're going to dump the food. And then we're going to put this in trash. Thank you. You can hear her making sure everyone disposes of the waste in the proper bins. Okay, so paper. And then right in there. In here. Oh, okay. Uh, can I tell you guys about compost? <laughs> we love a girl passionate about the environment. I am the sustainability person, one of them, one of seven. And we compost and recycle and only use reusable water bottles on today's set. And we donate any leftover like food from catering to local charities or partners. There's no like last, too many last minute things. No, like everything's been on time. Clockwork. Right. Good shit. Smooth oil machine. Yeah. The backstage runs smoother than a Chick-fil-A drive through honey, okay? The girls are in and out. Everybody plays their part. The vibe is immaculate. Thank you, my pleasure. And of course, our girl Tori is ready. 
I feel like I'm interviewing LeBron James before the big game. That's so funny. Wow. God, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. How are you feeling? I'm obsessed with LeBron. Um, I'm feeling excited. I'm yeah. feeling excited. Yeah. I'm, it's been a lot of work, but it's been, I feel like it's come together in a beautiful way. I'm really proud of our team. Yeah. Do you still get nervous before? I do get a little nervous. I do get a little nervous. I feel like, you know, we work so hard and then it's nine minutes and then it's like, then the jury's out. After the biggest coordinated group project I've ever seen in real life, it's finally time to head out for the show. My niece is calling me. Okay. <laughs> on that work. Hi. 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 I'm at the show. Hi, Hi niece. Hi. <laughs> I'll take pictures for me. I'll take pictures. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. I did take a lot of pictures. The curtains open up. We get 10 minutes of the most glorious looks. Quick appearance from Tori, and just like that, it's a wrap. Okay, what did you think? So good! It was great! Congratulations! Of course, I had to catch up with my friends backstage. Natalie again. We did it. How do we feel? It was good. I watched it from the TV screen. It's been a day. But it was famous. It was beautiful. Good, great music choice. Great music choice. You're so vain. Not you, men, but, but most men. And ending it on you're so vain? You're so vain. I love it. You probably think the song is about you. Oh. Oh, you're so vain. Right. You're so vain. <laughs> Thanks. Just a little bit. Ha. <laughs> right, and that is a wrap. It was gorgeous, beautiful. Hair, excellent, makeup, flawless, production. Tori did the damn thing. Tori did the damn thing. In Her Shoes is hosted by me, Lindsay Peoples. Our lead producer is Taka Zen. Our social media editor is Satya Muchnik. Our engineer is Brandon McFarland. And our executive producer is Hannah Rosen. I'm Lindsay Peoples, and thank you so much for listening.